In this episode, we speak to performance triple threat and my new friend, Nicholas Arnold. Nicholas is a comedian, he's a singer, he's a performer, he's traveled all across Ontario delivering performances to retirement communities and to the youth now. And I was really excited to have him on the show because we were able to dive really deep into storytelling and his experience as a filmmaker and the impact that that's had on his ability to create and tell stories. We talked a lot about comedy and how to infuse more comedy into your performances. And then overall, we talked about the delivery tactics that it takes to keep, whether it's young audiences, or like I said, retirement commuters, older audiences, engaged throughout your entire presentation. I think you'll love the show. This is I Will Teach You to Speak. Nicholas, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, man. This is exciting because when I write questions for interviews, there's like five or six things that I really wanted to know. But then as soon as I start to get to know someone, I'm like, man, there are hundreds of questions that we could dive into. I think most interestingly, though, is you're the first person I've ever interviewed that I didn't know in person prior to being on the show. So tell us a little bit about how did this come to be, first of all, and then why you reached out and what, what strategy are you aligning with there? Yeah, that's right. I, because we don't know each other, uh, but we do actually have mutual friends. Uh, and, and that's how I kind of came to know you uh, uh, through people like Carl Richards, who's another speaker. Yes. Um, I, and I think you've done the, the Mo Mondays, uh, a few of those. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that I always try to do, and I think we all should do this in whatever business we're in, whether it's just as an actor or performer or a speaker, is I try to look at other folks, especially folks who are close to my age, who are doing the same thing. Um, so I think, I think I just saw you pop up randomly and I started, I, I found a couple of your talks online, watched you, discovered your blog, um, the, you know, uh, I will teach you to speak and, and then discovered this show. Mm -hmm. And usually, and what, what prompts me to reach out to someone, uh, especially in terms of being a guest on their podcast or something like that, is if I'm listening to an episode and I find myself sort of chiming in in my head cool. and joining the conversation in my head, like then I know that that's kind of someone I want to have a conversation with and probably potentially, you know, learn a lot from with that conversation. So yeah, so I reached out to you. Uh, you know, knowing full well that my style and what I do is a little bit different uh, from some of the people that you've spoken to thus far. Uh, but just just to see if uh, we we could have a, an interesting conversation out of out of that email. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to having an eclectic of a, a group of people on this show as possible, so that the listeners get a ton of value. Really, the goal of this is to be useful for people. And mm -hmm. I've done an intro already. But as a filmmaker and a performer and an entertainer, right off the bat, what are some of the things you've picked up off on over the last couple of years in terms of performance tactics that it's really yeah. served you well? Yeah, well, what, uh, I kind of reached this epiphany a couple years ago or maybe a year and a half ago where I just realized how interconnected all of that is and just how related all of that is. And that, you know, when you're a speaker, you very much are a performer still. Yeah. Uh, I, well, at least I think the best speakers have that 
innate quality with them. Yes. Um, and of course, as a performer, as an actor, you're, you're invoking those same sort of public speaking skills that so many speakers work at uh, developing and, and harnessing. Um, I do a show right now that, and I've been touring with it for about two years, that's sort of a concert style. Okay. It's a, it's a biography show um, about two comedians in the 40s and 50s, uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. And I'm Nick in that show. I'm not playing a character. And that show kind of allowed me to have these opportunities to speak to an audience, to break that fourth wall and tell this story. And that's when I realized, like, man, this is all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, whether you're talking to a you know, school and just delivering sort of a talk or in this show, which is scripted, but still kind of delivering a sort of emotional talk to an audience, it's all very, very much the same. So when I had that epiphany, doors started kind of just opening up for me. Because I think when you kind of realize a path for yourself, yes. you start to zero in on what, what you need to do to make more of that path happen. Um, and so once I realized that I could, you know, there's a bit of a stigma, especially in the entertainment industry where it's like, well, I think any industry where you need to be doing one thing. Are you, are you a film director? Mm-hmm. Well, you can't be a film director and an actor. Maybe you can, but not really. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, are you a comedian or are you an actor? Are you a musical theater guy or are you this? Yes. And the more I'm in this industry, the more I'm starting to realize that you actually can kind of have your hands dipped in yeah. a few of these things at the same time. And, and there's power to that if you can do it well. I feel like you're reading my mind because that was a great segue <laughs> into what I was thinking about is the value I see in the experience you have is you've had, you've dabbled in, in filmmaking, you've dabbled in comedy, you've dabbled in, I've seen some of your YouTube videos where there's no voice at all and it's just performance. The title yeah. was such a sweet example of that. It was like thousands of tens of thousands of views. Yeah. Now you're doing talks with youth where it's mm-hmm. more of a public speaking dynamic. So in terms of the, the tool belt that you've been able to collect on different uh, strategies and tactics that you are now pulling out to have better performances, is there one, two, or three actionable items that we can start to experiment in our communication skills like today that you found valuable that you think other people can take advantage of? Yeah, well, one of the things, I mean, you learn this as an actor when you go into the audition room is uh, to really nail an audition or at least be confident in it. Yeah. Um, is, is it's not just about the lines on the page, you know? Uh, if If you're just focused on, you know, getting... All, all these lines and sort of ju- just worrying about what your next word is and what the next sentence is, uh, you're not in the moment mm. with it. Yeah. Uh, and you hear that all the time as an actor. It's, a, it's about being in the moment. And yes. when you're in the moment, you're then able to make choices based on motivation. So as an actor, your motivation might be, where is this next sentence actually coming from emotionally? Okay. And I think as speakers, we can use that same sort of tactic, you know? Um, and, and so uh, one thing to that to break that down to simplify that is to know what you're talking about well enough that you can then be present in the moment with it mm. and not just be going you know beat to beat to beat to beat yes. because even, even kids will pick up on that yes even kids will pick up on just the wheels turning of you kind of standing there you know i am saying the speech that i worked really hard to memorize yes. right but if you know your material and it's coming from the heart and you you've you rehearsed it enough to a point that it's it's genuine mm. then you can start being present with it you Tell know me. and then and then that goes in you know we can talk about delivery and all that kind of stuff but yeah. definitely i think just like 
just know your shit, know your yeah. stuff. Tell me where your, where your mind goes when I say this, but I feel like that's the difference between using your conscious mind to deliver your performance and then using subconscious, which I think is infinitely more powerful. And if you focus less on what to say and more on being there and stage presence, I yeah. think the unconscious gets activated, but it's only when, like you said, you know your shit. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, uh, like I've done very minor improv stuff just to the extent I'm, I'm not an improviser by any stretch of the imagination but i i do with some of the shows i've had to do i've had to interact with audiences so i might be delivering a talk and especially i've toured retirement homes i've done that sort of stuff where interruptions happen you know <laughs> i can imagine but what that trained me to do was to have the flexibility to go with the flow and and tap into that subconscious thing you know, and I think, yeah, if you're completely panicked on what you need to say and just getting from the beginning to to the end and getting every little paragraph, you're, you're going to get through it. You know, you're going to deliver a talk, mm -hmm. but what's the level of sort of connectivity that you're going to actually get there. And I think, as you said, when you tap into that sort of subconscious level and it's just sort of flowing, mm -hmm. then you're on to something a little different. And I think when you look at the best speakers and what they deliver and what their stage presence is like that's what they're that's what they're doing they're they're in the zone yeah i'm not sure if you or many of the audience listeners are fans of christopher hitchens but yeah like, yeah yeah hitchens is is just so well read that there's there's no way he could possibly be consciously thinking about what he's going to say before he says it he is like total on autopilot he's just such a brilliant guy and then it comes off in his sub communications that it's totally natural he's totally flowing so i agree 100 percent with that Ta but jonathan you tap sorry to interrupt you but you tap on another point right there like just being well read you know what i mean yeah, like absolutely. if you're talking about actionable stuff that you can start doing right now it's just start if there's a topic you want to talk about it just start educating yourself constantly you know yeah. and, and then you're just going to have the toolkit in your brain yeah, I'm a huge believer in that. So that's one piece. Be well prepared. Come from the heart. Try yeah. to take advantage of flowing and being in the present. Any specific tactics on delivery? I know you're doing a lot of more public speaking focused mm -hmm. uh, with youth specifically. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what that project's like. What are the type of themes you speak to? And then some of the delivery that helps engage that type of younger audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it's it's funny because it's kind of the same ta dealing delivering to youth. It's the same tactics that I would use to deliver to seniors in okay, retirement. Great. Just in the sense that it's like, okay, you've got a, a group of people who, uh, depending on the environment that you're delivering your talk in, aren't necessarily all on board with mm. you at the beginning. You know, uh, if you're going to a school, it's a mandatory assembly that they're, you know, coming into. I know they're exactly bored. what you're talking about. Yeah, It's a Monday morning, you know, whatever, right? If you're going into a retirement home, you know, you, this is their environment. They're coming into their community center. Totally. They don't know what's going on. So you're dealing with audiences that aren't necessarily 100% on board with you. So you have to kind of like be right there. And come in not too strong but you'd have to kind of come in with that sort of zest and energy yes. uh you know but then it's it's also a matter of again this goes back to what we were talking about it's got to be genuine because mm. they'll pick up on that if it's not if you're just coming coming in and and just like okay yeah, yo talk. you know me like i'm you know it's nick arnold here like yeah. yo 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 you know just trying to be cool and hip with the kids you gotta you, you bring an element of yourself yes but just make sure that it's like hey guys i'm on your side yeah like, okay. you know, and that comes with uh, the, the content. I think when you start uh, delivering stuff that's personal, 
-hmm. So let's say your topic is, I mean, I talk a lot about um, uh, using your talents to make a difference, uh, just because that's how I spent a lot of my high school career. I was doing a lot of charity work and this kind of stuff, but it was all talent-based. So I was producing these talent shows. I was uh, I made a feature film about bullying and all that sort of stuff while I was in high school. So it was very much, you know, skill, talent, and passion-oriented work. Okay. Um, well, because I come with that sort of personal baggage, I'm able to sort of lead with that in a talk to youth. It's like, hey, guys, listen, you know, when I was your age, you know, this is what I was dealing with and this is what was going on, you know, uh, and getting on their level, understanding that it's yes. like, hey, you know, I know you guys have all this stuff going on, you know. Getting on the level of seniors in retirement homes is easy because I'm, you know, doing a nostalgic act. Yes. But with kids, it just takes that extra little bit of work of it's like, you know, and it helps that you and I are somewhat younger yeah. because we don't look, you know, that much older. Yeah, There's it's a more relatable. Um, and then in terms of the, the delivery, I mean, we can go into the sort of step-by-step -step breakdowns, but it is a performance. It is a performance. So, you know, really work at where you're your hook is, you know, and don't, don't rush through that. And when I say hook, I mean, that's that moment where you think, at least in writing the talk, that this will be the moment that I, that I get them, that I have their attention from the introduction mm -hmm. to the, Hey, here's where it lands, you know, and don't brush through that. There's got to be a little, you know, dramatic pause, all that sort of stuff. And that just comes, that's the same tools that an actor uses when memorizing a monologue and finding the beats, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Is that I ramble a little bit there. No, Jonathan. no, that's fantastic. Yeah. And there was a lot of like, like quality gems in there. And just to make sure that we're hearing you correctly, part of that is coming in, not being over the top, but making sure that you get buy-in from the audience pretty early. Yeah. Uh, gen being genuine, it's telling personal stories. One thing that uh, one of my favorite idioms of all time, my friend Ian Gabriel, who's an amazing communicator, I think he summed up what you were describing there pretty good. It was meet people where they're at before you take them where you want them, where you want them to go. hundred percent. That just, that's exactly what I was trying to say in yeah, better so, words for sure. Build, well, Ian, Ian said it, not me. So yeah. uh, build that relatability, meet them where they're at. Then don't go too quickly over the hook. Yeah. And yeah. pause when necessary, slow your cadence down. That's part of that delivery piece is, you know, sometimes it, it makes sense to go fast. Sometimes it makes sense to, to, to pursue speed and then, yep as you slow things down, people can feel the difference. And now this new rhythm and this new pace allows people to think in a different way and actually connect with what you're saying. It's like, it's like a piece of music, right? It's like, you know, even like as you're leading up to that hook, you could build up that pace, you know, and that sort of like rapid fire a little bit with the senses and then boom, you land and you've got their attention. I and it's, that. you know, and you're looking at them and make that eye contact and that sort of thing. That's where, that's where you're invoking these sort of performance tactics. And that's where I, I consider speakers very much performers. Yeah, I think one of my mentors, Ryan McGurr, if he ever watches the show, will love what you just said. He's been trying to nail into my head since day one, since we've been working together, that oratory is like music. Yeah, very much. Yeah, it totally is. Well, as soon as you said the word cadence, I'm just like, yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Great. Hey, let's talk about your filmmaking a little bit because one of yeah. the, the tools that we're always trying to develop as communicators is effective storytelling. And mm -hmm. you may have had many experiences that have helped you develop your storytelling experiences, but filmmaking is awesome because now you have to really consciously think about this journey 
that you're taking your audience on. So I'm curious, how has that impacted the way you think about storytelling and how can we start to be better storytellers in our communication? Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things that because you're kind of always in the thick of it, you never really have the opportunity to step outside and analyze it. Um, but hearing you even just ask that question, I'm like, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, it does. It does, again, relate, you know, once once again. I think just segueing from what we talked about a couple questions ago, it's, um, again, when you bring something personal to it, you're on board. Storytelling, you know, it, they, why are you delivering this talk at, at the end of the day, you know? Uh, like, why are you the guy? If you're just talking about a general message, fine, but why are you the guy to do it? And, yes. and, and you're going to have a stronger talk if there is that little bit of a personal uh, aspect. I mean, Steve Jobs, you know, when he, he was even just delivering Apple products, it always came from an emotional point in all his talks. It was always, there was also always an emotional crux uh, that was a sort of personal story or something like that, you know? Um, and I think as a filmmaker and just as a, as a writer and that sort of thing, I, I've naturally learned over time just how to build an, an arc, you know? So we talked about sort of building up to that moment where there's the hook, the hook, the hook, and then kind of coming down from that, you know? Yes. And that's, uh, that's, basic sort of storytelling stuff I think one thing you want to learn is whatever the sort of uh, length of your talk is you want to have the, almost like a three-act structure in the middle of it or, or, or sorry you want to have a three-act structure uh, throughout okay is that something uh, you picked up in acting or filmmaking specifically yeah I mean uh, filmmaking you know a script a screenplay is built uh, on a three-act structure so you have act one which is your inciting incident you yes. know, um, and that's the thing that propels our hero into whatever journey it is. So it's Luke Skywalker meeting Ben Kenobi and being okay. told, you know, he's a Jedi or he can be a Jedi. Um, and, and then you've got your act two, which is the sort of the meat, you know, and, and you spend time in act two where you can just get the, the information out that you want to do, your bullet points, all this kind of stuff. Uh, that's the meat of the story, right? Where all the action is going to happen. Uh, but somewhere in there, you also want to reach a bit of a climax, you know, you want to, and whatever that is, if it's, if it's uh, something that's really going to bring your point home or really stress it, it's going to come before your sort of call to action because that's your act three, but reaching the climax at the end of act two, it's got to be something that warrants the call to action. Yes. Because if you've just been talking for an hour nonstop, just giving points, you get to the end and it's like, and so this is why I think, <laughs> we no, 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 like. And we've seen those. Totally. Emotionally tell the audience why you're now going to call them to action, which could be considered your little act three. Um, so it'd be helpful. I, I think it's helpful to sort of, yeah, just break down your talk into those three sort of story structures and, and even just look at how a story is told in that way, you know, because it very much is you have your inciting incident, which is your hook as a speaker, you know? I, that's that's amazing and it's really valuable. And I think we can even take it one step further and get a little bit more detail here. I want to talk about the project you're working on right now with youth and using your talents to be able mm -hmm. to make a difference. Can you share, you don't have to go through the entire story, but how are you using the three-act structure right now in that pursuit? And, or did you think about it that way? Or how are you thinking about delivering that talk? 
That one's a little different and it is growing because uh, it is a relatively newer thing uh, that I've been doing. And I've been doing it in different lengths, uh, uh, like the talk in different lengths. I've done 10 minute, 20 minute, and in October I'll be doing um, closer to an hour awesome. uh, type of thing. So I'm building that. So actually I'm in the process of kind of now building a sort of three act structure okay. uh, with that. Because uh, when you're doing a 10 minute talk, you're, you know, there's not as much room to do that. It's like uh, one, one story you get to tell and then you- Basically. Have, yeah. Yeah. One of the things, I mean, I, I can give an example um, uh, because I, I take basically this idea of sort of impossible dreams. That was uh, something I always sort of lived by as a, as, a, as a kid was dreaming these sort of impossible things and making them possible. Uh, so, you know, when I was uh, 14, I wanted to make a feature film by the time I graduated high school and I wanted it to involve hundreds of youth and all that sort of thing. So when you're 14, that sounds vicious, man. <laughs> and it's impossible, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, like, yeah. you know, and so I was all about sort of doing projects like that, that seemed daunting and impossible and not doable and then making them happen. And that's sort of the start of my talk is sort of like going for those impossible dreams, all that sort of thing, because by doing that, and showing that things like that are possible, you're, you are sort of changing the world. You know, you are showing people what they're capable of. Um, so I start with this story about uh, an, an incident of bullying where um, uh, I was tormented by these kids in, in elementary school. And this one kid, you know, made me a bet uh, in the bathroom. We're 10 years old, you know, we're in the bathroom there. And uh, this is sort of my main tormentor. And he made me a bet that I would never in my whole life become a filmmaker. And he bet me, bet me $1 million and we wrote it on a little paper. <laughs> okay. And he shook my hand. And so somewhere out there, I'm owed a million dollars because whether I'm a famous filmmaker or not, <laughs> I made two feature films. We did it. Um, and then from there, we kind of just start moving into, you know, what, 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 and then, so that's my act too, is what were those, you know, the film that I made was all about bullying. And now we're talking about, okay, how can you actually use these, you know, talents and skills and these impossible dreams to make a difference? One thing I, you know, one thing I really struggled with, and I think a lot of people, a lot of artists do, is because I had this sort of philanthropic vibe to me, or this, yeah. this thing of wanting to help. Yes. I felt guilty about is it egotistical to want to be a filmmaker and an actor? Mm. And that's kind of where my talk goes is it's like, listen, you guys have dreams. All you guys have these big dreams of what you want to do and what you want to be, you know, here's how you can achieve those dreams and also make a difference, inspire people. Yeah. I love that. Pursue both at the yeah. same time and get the best of both worlds. Yeah. 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 One thing, you know, one thing, uh, there's a charity that my friend runs called Trek for teens here in Toronto. Okay. Uh, and it's it's all about um, uh, well they they help homeless youth and they they send their money uh, and funds raised directly to shelters in Toronto and they've since grown they've become a registered charity and all that sort Easy. of thing. Um, but one of the things they do is it's all about youth using so the events that they have are you know it's a cabaret there's talent shows there's a fashion show what awesome. do these things have to do with homeless youth? Nothing really except for the fact that you're showing what youth are capable of you're showing adults what youth are capable of and therefore it is related to sort of what their cause, you know? Yeah. So they're a great example of that sort of thing of using your, your talent skills to do these impossible projects uh, and, and make a difference. I feel like this is such a smooth podcast because <laughs> one of the things that I love about communication and developing a voice 
being able to have a strong message, something you care about, something you're advocating for. Charity work's clearly important to you. When I was mm-hmm. reading through your bio and some of your experience raising tens of thousands of dollars for cancer research, I know that you were uh, recognized by the TD Bank for leadership in the community. So can you share a little bit about why that's important to you and then how you're using your voice today besides the, the, the speaking to youth, which is on, honestly fantastic. Um, anything you're, you're really passionate about right now or anything you want to advocate for moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I still carry all those passions uh, with me because they're so near and dear to my heart when I've spent that much uh, time doing them. Of course, as we enter our 20s, it becomes very career, it's survival <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, so it becomes very difficult. Yeah, it becomes, uh, I've struggled with that sort of difficulty of, of, still being able to do that and there's a there's been a lot of guilt over the years of not necessarily having the time the means or or the funds to do that to to do the same amount of work that I was doing in high school Uh, because in high school you just kind of you have that benefit of just being able to make that stuff sort of happen you know with your parents and yeah yeah you don't realize you don't realize how good you you have it you know um so now in, in doing some of even just the talks that I'm doing, I'm getting back into that. And I've spoken, I mentioned the track for teens. I've spoken for them a few times. I've awesome. hosted some of their events. And then I've just even just volunteered awesome. uh, for them a bunch. Um, and I've learned a ton about the actual issue of youth homelessness through mm. them, uh, which I just wasn't aware of until, um, until I met up with them. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, cancer, cancer was something that uh, ran through my family and it's still a very sort of important issue. And, and of course, bullying. I mean, that when I made that feature film on bullying, uh, Facebook had just been created, you know, while I was making that film. So it wasn't a thing yet, you know, so social media, online bullying and just how much that has changed yeah. is almost overwhelming right now. And it's to the point where if I were to look at that issue again, I'd really have to kind of reeducate myself. Um, quite a bit before delving into something like that. Um, I'm digressing a little bit, but I know, uh, no, yeah. You know, it's so impressive to me to see just like a clearly passionate guy who has a uh, lot of talent, who just has a, a real ability to make an impact. And like I said, I was talking about my, my mentor earlier, Ryan McGurr, and he just keeps saying, Jonathan, like the only reason why you should be developing your, developing your voice is to help change the world. And if we're not changing people's minds yeah. in the world, then you might as well spend zero time and watch TV instead. Yeah, and one of the I appreciate that about you for sure. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, what, uh, an issue I'm actually I'm I haven't developed the talk yet, but a talk that I do want to do is um, because I spent all this time performing in retirement homes. I I've also learned a ton about how we treat our elderly okay. here in the West, uh, especially versus like how they're treated in the East and all this yeah. sort of thing, and just sort of uh, the needs that they they need. And I want to kind of work on delivering a bit of a talk on on that issue uh, in terms of. Uh, bringing sort of worthwhile entertainment to people in need, people who can't necessarily get out to the theater and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's something I'm sort of just start tapping into right now and sort of exploring. I've written an article uh, that's getting published on that, and then I'll try and expand on it and develop a bit of a talk. But yeah. Okay. Two last things I want to cover quickly is one is personal brand and the way you think about your long-term vision for personal brand and how you're actually executing that on a day-to-day. And then if it aligns, maybe it's separate, but how do you find gigs today? Because there's a lot of people here who want to make the transition like you just told me earlier where they had a full-time gig and now they're able to actually pursue their passions full-time. 
because of a strategy or they built their personal brand up to a point and they, they were able to finally get consistent gigs. So are they aligned building your brand and getting gigs or is that something totally separate? Well, of course they're aligned. Uh, um, and, and, and building the brand, I mean, I had to come to this kind of uh, uh, realization of, of what am I? Because I never felt... Honestly, I never felt part of the filmmaking community. I just never felt like, even though I was a filmmaker, I never quite felt uh, like a filmmaker when I, you know, network with others. And I never felt like a musical theater guy. You know, I didn't go to Sheridan and all these musical theater schools. So, and I'm not, you know, uh, an amazing singer. You know, I can sing and I do sing in my shows, but uh, so I never felt like that. And I never quite felt like an actor either. I'm, you know, not versed in like all these plays. So I, I really struggled with, okay, what am I? And, and, speaking not something, and speaking's not something I do full time. So I'm not even a, a speaker, you know? And, and so then I started, it's like, okay. And I really started just embracing the words entertainer, yes. performer, you yes. know? Yes. And, and what that means. And I am a bit old school with my stuff. But what's nice about that is in the old school, back in the day, you know, the cabaret performers, that is what they did. They mm-hmm. did it all. They did all these sort of things. They, they were multiverse. Um, and that, again, I, I mentioned how when I started sort of embracing that aspect about it, doors started opening, you know, when I came to these realizations and epiphanies, they open because when you, when you realize what you are, kind of who you are and what it is you want to do, mm-hmm. it, the answer is you're not just suddenly like, I'm an entertainer. Wow. Like I'm getting emails all of a sudden, you know, yes. and like gig requests. There's some but work involved. <laughs> there's some work involved, but you start to realize what's not the right path. Okay. I like so that. in doing that, you're then just able to focus. I mean, it's like I had a conversation with my agent, you know, uh, where I, I told her all this. And I'm like, hey, I've had this realization. This is kind of what I want to do. I want to do more, you know, hosting gigs. I want to do more, t- you know, stuff like this, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, that's great, Nick. You know, I don't have the connections for that. Uh, you know, I can get you the film and television and uh, auditions and that sort of thing. But if you want to go and do that thing and, and do all that, and yeah, it's not a clear cut answer, but at least, you know, having that dialogue, it shows me, okay, you know, my agent's good for this and this, I need to find other avenues, right? And right now it's still very, is, uh, it still very much is a solo venture. But one thing that I've been doing, I'm, uh, I'm bringing on an assistant within the next week. Cool. Um, uh, a student intern awesome. uh, who's uh, helping just to do some of the cold calls. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to be doing the cold calls myself, but just sort of uh, attacking it as well from a different angle um, and having someone else do that. Because uh, I've spoken to some mentors of mine where that's been a successful avenue. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, Jonathan, it, it's funny because when I tell people that I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing full time right now for the next little bit, you know, it is that thing of it's like, wow, like you're so lucky and all this sort of thing. But that that luck also may run out in four or five months. And not, you know, it, all that means is it might, there might be a lull where there is no work. If you're embracing this lifestyle, you have to embrace the fact that it may come with dark periods. Totally. As an actor, if you're going for it and you're like, this is what I want to do, there's going to be times where you just don't have a gig, where the industry is slow. Yes. Um, and so you just have to decide if you've made enough, if you've figured out enough to coast in those periods. Um, or again, or if you've got other revenues of um, income, you know, and that can be still stuff with your business, other avenues, whether you've written a book and you're able to make money off of that book. Um, uh, you know, the, it's funny because the speaking gigs that I have booked in the fall are what's helping me 
in dark periods between acting gigs. Yes. So between the two, I'm able to kind of, I'm making a living, you know, yeah, boom, boom, great. boom. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's about having uh, avenues of income, multiple streams of income. And now you have to be okay with is that is one of those streams of income, just a, a, a part-time job where I'm, you know, flipping burgers. And if that's not what you want, then okay, fine. Hit the drawing board and figure out what other avenues of income can be for you and get those all going, you know? Yeah, fantastic. No, I hear exactly what you're saying. There's real work involved. Having diversity in your income streams is going to be valuable, especially if you may have, like you said, it's cyclical sometimes. Uh, and then other than that, as long as you're really putting in the effort to do business development, like you're saying, get on the phone, meet people. Yeah. Prospect. Well, stuff like this too. I mean, you know, we've just, by having this conversation, we've met and, and it's also, it's, it's not about meeting people. It's not about networking too. Like I'm not looking at for something monetary out of this with you and yeah, you're not looking for something like that either. Right. But we've connected and, yeah. and, and there is a relationship that can build from that um, naturally, you know, without us even thinking about it down the road. So that's the kind of connection you also want to be doing in networking. It's not, don't ever network with an agenda. I love that. You yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm literally reading right now. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. It's very ironic. I've been over the past couple of lunches, I've been reading a book called never eat alone. And I've been eating alone, reading this book, <laughs> trying to get through the book. But eventually, when I'm through the book, I'll probably end up spending more time at lunch with people. But it, one of the big themes was do not have an agenda and know that through networking, the best thing that you can do is, is have generosity and try to bring more value yeah. to than you're trying to pull and extract out of it, which aligns really well with Gary Vee's philosophy around uh, yep. friends and, and content, etc. cetera. Uh, the last thing totally. I want to ask you is about just anything personal on your heart, any philosophy that you wanted to share, anything you came across recently that's really resonated with you. The thing I'm always conscious of asking questions and interviewing is that I direct the conversation. This is your opportunity to direct it, take it wherever you want and tell the audience what's on your heart. Sure. Uh, well, actually, I only stepped away from sort of the day job, as it were, um, in uh, mid-August. And one thing that I've been doing, and it's been working really well for me, is uh, all revolving around self-discipline. And I think as performers and speakers, we have to start looking at ourselves as entrepreneurs. Yes. And, and adopt the same work ethic that someone who's starting a, a, a self-starter a, or a business would have. I love that. Uh, so, you know, without anybody forcing me to it, I've been forcing myself to get up at, you know, 7 a.m. Um, on this period that, it, you know, I don't have a gig. My gigs for the fall start um, late September. Yeah. So this is my time, you know. Um, but I've been forcing myself to get up and and have that discipline. So I get up and I've, you know, I've got my whole mindfulness routine and all that sort of thing. Awesome. Uh, because that works for me. Good. And then I do, you know, a half hour of uninterrupted uh, creative writing. And some of that might turn into, you know, an article that I try and get published. Some of, the, some of that just doesn't get seen, but it's just, you know, a half hour of that. Yes. Um, and having, for me, what I'm saying with that, I mean, that's my routine. But for me, I think having a routine. Now, if you're whatever, if you've got a night gig and you wake up, it doesn't have to be a morning routine. Uh, if you wake up at noon because you work, you know, late, fine. But having a routine once you do wake up, I think is just so important for that self-discipline. And it's the self-discipline that's going to generate that work. So if you're just tying back to that other question of what can we do to get more gigs, yeah. be self-disciplined. 
have the structure in your day to actually, you know, we, we can, we can get all spiritual with that and talk, you know, sending <laughs> vibes out into the universe, but yes. basically what you're saying, the message that you're saying is I want gigs. Yes. I want to work. You're sending that message out wherever it's going, you know, even if it's just the glow on your face, you know, when you feel like you've had a productive day. Um, so that's something I've discovered recently is the self-discipline thing. And that's, if I can pass that on to people, um, it, it's, it's really working for me and I think it can work for, uh, for others too. That's fantastic, man. And I found it worked in my life big time, making sure that I'm dragging myself out of bed, hitting the gym so I can be productive. Yeah. And like you said, you have no boss. You're your own boss. Nobody's holding you accountable. No one's looking over your shoulder. It's complete autonomy. It's up to you to be able to get the work done. So a valuable lesson. I'm glad you've, you've learned it early since you, you've just jumped in uh, feet first. And I'm looking forward to all the big things that come over the next couple months. I know that you're going to strike gold. I know with your work ethic, your discipline, your talent, things are going to be very bright for you moving forward. Big doors are going to open. I'm really excited about the relationship. And thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, oh, thanks so much for having me. This was a great chat.